Welcome everyone to another episode of the Dynamic Thriving Podcast. I am your host, Marianne Pack, spiritual medium, author, publisher, and joy advocate, leading you into all things life transformational. And this series is Unmuted Voices, and I am so happy to have Bettina Strait with me on the show today. Hi, Bettina. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing really well. Thanks. How have you been? Oh, I'm so good. And I'm even better now that you're here. <laughs> so we're going to just jump right in, Bettina. And I'm going to ask you, since this is about unmuting our voices, it's not always just a physical voice, our physical voice. It's how we express life. And, you know, there are many times that our beautiful little butterfly, clean souls kind of get covered over with all the stuff. And um, we start believing things that are not true but we take it on as truth. And I call those indoctrinations. And so, uh, you know, when these are the things that help that make us mute our voice. So when was it that you realized it wasn't safe to use your voice to express your life? You know, um, how was that for you? I think that it was a, I don't even know that I was really aware of it, to be honest. And that was kind of the thing that when we started talking and when I was listening to other folks' stories about, you know, being unmuted or feeling muted, actually, that's what kind of shocked me. It was like, wow, that was a slow roll of just little lesson after little lesson, yeah. not good ones, you know, that really created that for me. Um I, you know, if anyone knows about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram nine, the people pleasing peacemaker, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And so it always just felt better to make sure that everyone else was okay. And I felt as though the easiest way to do that sometimes was to just go along and not necessarily share a different opinion or, um, you know, I'm not a devil's advocate person at all. And sometimes the devil's ad advocate people make me uncomfortable because it feels confrontational. And mm -hmm. uh, so it was really kind of over time and not until I started emerging that I realized how often I did it. And I have to give a lot of credit to my wife actually for that going, I, you, why are you, why do you do that? Why are you so concerned about ruffling a feather or, you know, just speaking up. So I love that you had the support from your wife that, you know, she was able to see some of those blocks because that's they're, they're like, we got blinders on at certain times in our lives. And so we almost need that other perspective to give us a new perspective and ask, why are you doing that? Because we don't even know to evaluate what we're doing at the time. We're not aware. Yeah. And for better or for worse, I find that I still thrive on or I feel freer when I have that reassurance from other people. And yeah. I'm surrounded by support all the time and people saying, tell me more about that, Bettina. Or, you know, yes, we want to hear. And so I thrive on reinforcement. It's just who I am. And so, and I'm lucky and really fortunate that I get that from people. And I, I got to tell you, in the last year to two years, when I know a lot of people have just been struggling with, you know, this world, I have found more confidence in using my voice. And it was an unexpected, an unexpected change. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> what were some of those indoctrinated beliefs? What were some of the things that kind of covered up your little spirit um, that maybe you learned? For me, it was more religious training, but other times it's societal. It's from our families. You know, you only do it this way and you put your, you know, you're, you're told to be in this little box that we're not, um, or, you know, our society or our culture. What were some of those indoctrinated beliefs that made you mute your voice? I think family-wise, one of the things that I know we had a tendency to do, I'm the oldest of three daughters, um, and but there's a big age gap in between us. And my middle sister is 11 years younger, and my youngest sister is 17 years younger. Same parents. I We just got it. My, Amanda was born my senior year in high school, <laughs> right before. And one of the things was always just kind of be helpful, not a problem there, um, but also that don't make waves. It was really, we want to be really polite. We don't want to offend or upset anyone. It was really kind of just keep things easy. And that's not always realistic. It just isn't. But I spent a lot of time wanting to make sure if something hurt my feelings, I didn't make a big deal about it. Or if I was upset about something, it's better off just letting it go because then it doesn't, you know, bother anyone else. And I wish, you know, might take a few hours with a therapist. But I'm not really sure where that came from because it, but I, we all do it. And, and we've talked about it again in the last year or so. My family's talked about why do we do that? What are we afraid of? What if we expressed frustration with one another? The world's not going to end, you know, and that greater communication and that, again, that change, even within my family dynamic has allowed me to feel so much freer. Um, and that's been a great, a great change. Mm -hmm. wow. yeah, but that's the of don't make waves. And I would say the second one for me, I started my, um, schooling was higher education. I have a, a master's in student personnel. And then I shifted gears and moved into healthcare. And I found mm -hmm. myself in roles professionally that I didn't have education in. I just found myself in really good fits. So I started working in human resources, but I don't have a degree or certifications mm -hmm. in human resources. So the imposter syndrome that so many of us experience really pops up because I'm sitting with people now in a C-suite who've spent decades doing this kind of work. And here's me feeling like I'm homegrown and I don't okay. always feel like I've got that credibility. And that's been one yeah. time to come to. Yes, that, yes, so many, so many of us have. Even when I declared myself a joy advocate a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, please. <laughs> Who am I to name Who is gonna believe that? You know, kind of thing. But it's like we all are. I just happened to put it on paper. Yeah. yeah, credibility's always been a thing because I've worked in fields where you've got PhD, everyone's got initials after their names, you know, and it's what do you do for a living? Where did you go to school? What kind of training do you have? And I never really felt as though mine necessarily stacked up. I don't add those at the end. Um, right, but right, right. learning that that's not the most important thing to everyone. It's not right. the most important thing to me. Right, right. 
Yeah. I was thinking how, how did that, when you, during that muted time, and um, if you say some of the changes just really are taking place more, more recently, um, you know, how did that affect your whole life, your relationships, you know, your health, your, um, maybe your finances or choice of schooling, or, um, you know, if, if you were in a spiritual capacity, if you had that kind of um, life going on during that time, how did that affect you? I think that what it did was it set me up. What I would do often is have a great idea and I would be around folks and I would share it and then say, I feel like you've got, you're in a great position to advocate for. You were in, you know, done it recently where I will be in conversation with folks and I'll share an idea. And when I feel as though that person's got a more legitimate authority, I've done it all my life. I would promote it, promote an idea or something like that to another person and say, run with it. Because I always felt like that sometimes their voice would be heard and listened to um, more acutely than mine. And so I gave away a lot of my own stuff, right? And and sometimes it was incredibly successful, but what often would happen is the importance I would put on those things, if that person didn't share it, I'd feel disappointed. Like, oh, they didn't find it as important as I did, or they didn't think it was as serious or whatever it may be. Um, and I stepped back a lot and kind of let things happen around me. Um, and again, I think we all have personality traits where I'm completely extroverted. I know that, I love that, I can, you know, chat and talk with anyone. But when it comes to expertise, I know I always kind of, I never, I would never put that label, you know, the subject matter expert, I would never, never put that on myself for a long time. Um, relationship wise, it was often what does someone else want? And resentment can build or little passive aggressive traits that pop mm -hmm. up. And again, a lot of nine traits here from the Enneagram, right? Where you get frustrated and you don't want to upset someone. So you won't confront it directly. And that's a lot of what I would do. I, and it's ironic. I talk with folks all the time in my training and consulting about, you know, having difficult conversations. How are you addressing the elephant in the room? I can help everyone approach those situations very strategically, very thoughtfully, and very successfully. But for me, I would rather just let that go sometimes. And it really started, I can think of one specific situation with my wife where I had lost some weight. I was feeling like I wanted to be more active. And rather than just expressing what I wanted, which was, I think I want to join a gym or start going to yoga classes, mm -hmm. I would say, Oh, I wish we had more time. I wish there was more time to do something, something. And I started getting resentful that I wasn't doing what I wanted. Well, I wasn't saying what I wanted and I was waiting for permission. Mm -hmm. I'm a grown up. We got together when I was 36 years old. I don't need, I don't need anyone else's permission for something to find my joy, to do those things that really fulfill me. But for some reason, I spent a lot of time waiting for someone else, whether it was a relationship, probably a parent earlier in my life mm -hmm. to say, yeah, Bettina, that's okay. Rather than just owning it. And that's not always comfortable for me, but my 
gosh, I feel much better when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. I, I am so that way. It's like just asking for something simple. Like you said, even, you know, I want to go to the gym. I want to take a walk. I want to do yoga. Right. You know, just it's like, how do I get it out of my mouth? Because I've so been, it was indoctrinated in me that my wants, needs, and desires were not important. Certainly not as important as whatever man was in my life. Yeah. So that was huge for me to, to, I still struggle with just asking for simple things, you know, and then you, you know, that, that resentment does start setting in because you're thinking, well, why don't they already know this? Well, duh, you haven't told them, you know, nope. kind of thing. So yeah, it's, and I'm also a nine on the Enneagram. So I got that section. Yes. Yet I was the youngest of three and my older sisters were identical twins. So you can't, you know, can't weasel in between that. So I was kind of always out on my own, doing my things, being the tomboy that I, that I was. And um, so I just kind of stayed out of the picture as much as possible because every time I did open my mouth. It always seemed to get me in trouble. <laughs> and that's, I don't know. Like I think about growing up because I was, I was an only child for 11 years and the first grandchild, I got a ton of attention. I got a ton of love and support. I was always, you know, family was always around and I don't, I really cannot think of anything that would have like caused a change. I, I do feel like there are some innate personality traits that either, you know, that are, there are strengths there and then there are, you know, challenges there. And for whatever reason, that's become one of mine. And it's so funny because when I did finally start speaking up and saying, this is what I want, or I'm going to do this, literally everyone around me was like, okay. And it was nothing. It was nothing to anyone else. And I'm fortunate there. I didn't get a lot of pushback for things. I haven't gotten a lot of, you know, you know, side eyes about because I'm not trying to do anything crazy. But it's just so interesting to realize that I'm actually loved even more loved, encouraged and supported in what I want to do. And I look back and think, what was I? What have I missed out on? Because I was afraid, not because of what anyone else actually did, but because I was afraid. Right. That's a hard one to answer for myself. Yeah. So, what were like the aha moments that started? You know, were were they just kind of a culmination all along? For me, it was a kick in the pants when my body, you know, crashed, um, and then the little things came. You know, started building up that, that I could see where I, you know, these light bulb in the soul moments, I call it these aha moments that are going, Oh, I've got to change something. Yeah. You know, this is, this is not the direction I want my life to go. So what were those aha moments for you? When did that start clicking in place? I go back to that kind of positive reinforcement. I, mm -hmm. um, I do training and consulting as a, a side business to what I do in my nine to five. And years ago, a friend called and said, we had this issue take place in our, in my company. We're looking for someone to come in and talk about bias. And specifically it was an issue surrounding LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender issue. Mm -hmm. Someone was outed at work. 
and they said, can you, could you put together some kind of a training and in-service they're looking for, you know, for education? And I said, sure. And it, I mean, first time I've ever done something like that on my own. Um, I had always kind of done trainings and education as my, you know, part of my work, but not as like a, hey, you're a credible professional in this world, in this realm. And there was a little bit of fake it till you make it in there. Mm -hmm. And I showed up and it was a lot of folks with crossed arms (laughs) who were, who, you know, had to be there, but it was a success. And the woman who coordinated it was a government EEOC officer who said, I have a conference coming up this summer. We could use you. Come and train. Okay. Other, f- I, you know, now I have the confidence of like, yes, this is what I am meant to do. This is what I am called to do. But at the beginning, I needed those people saying, holy cow, Bettina, that was great. And we want you to come back. Mm-hmm. And from that conference, a number of participants called and said, we want you to come and do this with us. And it blew my mind. And there are still days where I call or text friends and go, you will never believe who called what it blows my mind. But that reassurance, and maybe some people will say, is it feeding your ego? I don't know that it's a little, let's be honest. We all love that reinforcement, but what it's doing too is building up my belief that you don't have to have the the specific perfect degree. You don't have to have that specific perfect credential behind you to be knowledgeable and to, to right. have an impact. And that's really, that was step one. And since then, again, it's those little reassurances along the way. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as you know, last year, I found out I have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing that will kick you in the pants quicker to letting go of all of the unnecessary junk, then your mortality, let's be honest, you know, and, and that in the last year, there's a little bit of, what do I have to lose? I'm, I'm doing well, (laughs) you know, my health is, is on the right track, but I will not waste time hiding anymore. It's just not worth it. Yes. Yes. And I always say, you know, during this transformation, I always say our mess is our message. So the things that the mess or the unmuting of our voice is what the 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 transformation that we created in our lives and that we accepted and that we worked for, that we recognized and acknowledged that I need to do something different. Just like you said, when you had the notice that you had breast cancer, no more shit, no, no more. more. Yeah. You, know, you can't, um, you, you've got to be able to express your life and who you are. Um, because the thing is, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to everyone. Um, so how now is your, your mess has become your message. Oh my gosh. So I, had to make a decision um, in a couple of different areas. And when and when it came, you know, time to figure out how do I want to share what's going on with me? How do I want to talk about it professionally with folks? I started a new job in September of 21 and found out about my diagnosis in November, two months later. And so I had all new colleagues in a really amazing organization, but I didn't have FMLA. 
the coverage. I didn't have, you know, some of those like, re, you know, some of the pieces that you'd like logistically to have in place, but also how do I share this with friends and family? Um, and I'm pretty much an open book in most aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to do it kind of publicly. I told all my key people that I did not want to be caught off guard, certainly. Um, but you can't hide that all of a sudden you won't have any hair <laughs> or eyebrows or eyelashes, right? Or that I'm not able to do things that I used to. And so I turned this mess into my message and created a group um, for my Facebook friends mm -hmm. and family who wanted to follow along. But I'm also doing some speaking about um, professional women who are experiencing health issues. That's certainly a thing. And talking with organizations about how they can be inclusive and supportive of their employees, aside from, here's your benefits package, please take advantage, right? And mm -hmm. to me, it's about connecting, supporting one another. I've said a hundred times, if love could heal me, I'd be fine by now because I have just been so, so supported. And sharing it outwardly with others, for better or for worse, has brought so many people to my door saying, my daughter just got a diagnosis. What do I do? I just got a diagnosis and I'm terrified, but I know I can be okay because I've been watching you for the last two months. Um, it's it's phenomenal and it's very humbling and I get emotional because I felt like I was being selfish when I first started to share about it. When I would talk about, I post pictures of some of the things that people send me and I start everyone off with today love looks like, and I'll share a picture of a book someone sent or a blanket that they sent or a, you know, a bracelet that they sent. And I thought, does this come across like I'm, bragging because it's stuff. But people have reached out and said, Bettina, I ordered my girlfriend that blanket you posted because I knew you loved it and it meant so much to you. And I knew what to send her. Yes. I never would have thought of that. And mm -hmm. what if I would have just stayed quiet? You know, and one other thing that has been the truest, truest change and gift is the dynamic with my family. And I said to them, we're in a group chat, you know, a family chat. And I said, I'm going to be honest, everybody. And I said this individually on phone calls and they don't live close by. So a lot of our communication is technology. When I'm having a good day, you're going to know. But when I'm having a bad day, I'm also going to be honest. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I can't worry anymore because worry is stress and stress is damaging. I'm not going to worry anymore about pretending I'm okay if I'm not, or I'm upset today because chemo and radiation and, you know, a doctor's appointment fell on my birthday. I'm going to be a grump about that today. <laughs> we have all started being so much more open and honest about good days and bad days and anger and frustration. And maybe we all still apologize a little bit, like, sorry, I probably shouldn't vent. And then we stop ourselves mm -hmm. and to see that change generationally, because, you know, my younger sister is almost a generation younger than I am. Yeah. My parents, myself and my younger sister, and then my other sister and her kids. I just hope I can only hope that that is a change and a shift that we all make for the better continually. Yes. 
That's so beautiful. Talk just a little bit more about, about your Facebook group. Cause I'm a member of your group. Um, after we met, we were connected through, um, Lori, Lori Raggio. Yes. That's what I thought. And, um, uh, you know, she's been such a dear heart and, um, um, you know, connecting so many people with me, even for this project, um, because so many of her clients and, and dear ones have, have dealt with, you know, the moving through the mess of a muted voice into unmuting their voice. So talk just a little bit more about, because I know there are people out there who need that support. And then also your, your leadership, because I want folks to know how, how are you serving now? Um, where are you using your voice? Where are you expressing life? And, and how do you, how do you work with people now? Um, I try. So my Facebook group has been, like I said, that fate, that friends and family um, connections and, and ways to keep people updated on what's going on with me. And then um, I've utilized LinkedIn a lot and my, also my work network um, of folks, my communities are, really important to me. And again, I struggled with, is this, is this a professional thing to share on LinkedIn? But what I, again, what I really spoke about in my first kind of announcement of what was going on was that I was really fortunate to, to be part of an organization where I was truly 360 degrees supported and how the culture of your environment has an impact on your employees in ways that you probably don't even imagine. And I wanted to both give a little bit of praise and a shout out to some, uh, my organization, so others might eat in DC for the love and support that they've shown, but also hopefully model how being forthcoming and transparent about a lot of what I was going on allowed people to support me. And I think that's what we miss out on so much is that, you know, I understand people wanting to keep health issues private. Absolutely. For me, it wasn't something I'd be able to hide. It wasn't something right. I'd be able to kind of just go off the radar and come back and no one would know. And so the way that I tried to use this to serve others and support others really is because I do organizational work, reminding organizations of how important it is to, um, to partner with your employees, to pay attention to what's going on. You see a lot of self-care and, and things like that. But what are we really doing when people are in crisis, no matter what that might be? Um, and then just recently I shared um, that I wanted to start talking about this with respect to my breast cancer journey and how that's impacted me. And in the last two weeks, two different organizations have reached out and said, we need this right now. We need someone to talk to us about as a professional woman how did you let your guard down and and let go of that idea that if you're not available 24 7 that you're still valuable to the organization how did you let go of the fear that people would say that's a little bit more trouble than it was worth right and and so i just have found it I know that everything the universe has lined up for me in the last few years is what has allowed me to get better. And I'm still dealing with some uncertainty. And, and I was mentioning to you earlier, the crazy thing about this journey with breast cancer in particular is you just don't know if it's done. You don't, I don't get that like, 
you're in remission. Like that's not going to be my case for a while, I think. But I know that I can reach people and I can be encouraging and that I can help support them use their voices if they are ready to. And if I can be, if I reach people like me who are a little bit nervous to put it all out there, I cannot say enough how amazing it's been in my life to just be free. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine just, just, there's so many times when we actually share our story and it's a vulnerable thing and, you know, you're not sure if you should share it because it's not, it's not necessarily professional or, or whatever, but it touches people because they are dealing with it and they don't know how to voice it. Yeah. So you're giving them permission as they see you live your life, express yourself. This is why this message of unmuting our voice is so important. And I, <laughs> I can't, I, again, so many people have approached me and said, Bettina, like, I'm so glad I know, you know, I want to know how you're doing and how you're feeling, but it was so much easier last week when they felt sick to just call in and say, Hey, I might, I'm not going to be on camera for this meeting. I hope that's okay. Where they never would have done that before. And I thought that doesn't, that doesn't seem like a, a big ask, right. but in this environment, in this culture where it's like, okay, how do we stay connected in a virtual world? You put your camera on. Well, no one wanted to see me hooked up to my IV at chemo right. during a meeting, but you know what? I could be there and I could tell people, Hey, I'm just going to be off camp. People are so much more gracious with, with one another. We need that in today's environment, right? I feel like some of these layers of armor and protection, if we're, brave enough to lower some of that. I'm just so, you know what? I get closer hugs. I get warmer squeezes. Mm -hmm. Like people have appreciated that so much. And yes, there are still things that are scary. Yes, there are still hesitations I have. I was in a meeting the other day and, and someone said, Bettina, what do you think about? And I paused and someone else jumped in and it was all of this. And I thought, did I miss that window? And then, you know, a couple minutes later, I said, I've gathered my thoughts. Let me chime in. And I didn't shy away. I didn't let it just pass. And so those little changes for me are, feel a little brave, but now they just start feeling normal. And I feel, and this might sound like a very odd word, but I feel deserving of that space. Yeah. How cool. <laughs> 49 yeah. years it took me 49 years to get it together better late than never yes absolutely yeah I'm pushing 64 in January and I'm still working on it it just hasn't uh it's not like we get this little certificate and we hang it on the wall one and done you know, this is life. This is unlayering, unpacking, and then remembering all the parts of us, putting us back together to our wholeness yeah. of who we really are and um, embodying the joy that we are. So I am so thankful that you are so willing and so open to sharing such a, a vulnerable story around your unmuting your voice. Um I'll just put up here again, you can connect with 
Bettina on LinkedIn at Bettina-Straight. And um, it's in the, I believe it's also in the show notes for your convenience. Um, Bettina, do you have any other words of wisdom you would like to leave everybody with? I think just that, that reminder, I know that I found it to be a much safer way to kind of unmute when I would talk it out with people and even just acknowledge like, gosh, that makes me nervous. Or I can get up in front of a thousand people and do a talk. It's not that kind of unmuting for me. I love that. Give me an audience. Tell me I've got to be there in 20 minutes. Good to go. It's sharing the opinions sometimes or having a contrary idea about something. And so finding those folks around me that I can bounce things off of has been a really huge help. So find that safe and supportive, unconditional person. I've been fortunate to have a lot of them in my life. Um, as you mentioned, Lori is a huge one for mm -hmm. me. And to me, testing it out on the people, especially who say, Bettina, you've got something people need to hear. Yes, yes, that yes, does yes. it for me. That's that's the key that helps me unlock it. And now I'm reminding myself, Bettina, you've got something that people need to hear. And yeah. that's the tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that you mentioned the feeling of deservedness and and our worthiness is, is so important because if we if we really felt who we were in the, you know, that spiritual, deep soul, eternal part of us, that broader perspective, we would understand our worthiness. Yeah. So it's just real learning because we knew it when we came in as yep. babies. Yep. You know, a baby knew exactly what they wanted and expressed those opinions very loud and clear. And, um, you know, and then it just gets all covered up. So uncovering it now again is yeah. such a joy and, uh, you know, to help people for me to have the privilege of interviewing you and all the other folks that are going to be in the book anthology, the Unmuted Voices that comes out in January. So I'm just tickled pink. Thanks. And I love that you're having so many of us speak to this topic mm -hmm. because you can't, it's not just a one and done. Hearing it from one person isn't enough. And so I just, I so appreciate being part of this and listening to all of these incredible stories and understanding. I listened to a podcast the other day and someone said, we all have needs. We're all needy. We are human beings. <laughs> we have needs. And to hear Again, these incredible testimonies of how life-changing, just letting, giving yourself that permission really is. Um, and then being part of a community that gives each other permission is transforming. So thank you. Absolutely. So thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the Dynamic Thriving Podcast for Unmuted Voices. And you'll find um, the books that I have available at wearejoybooks.com and look around there and see what we have because we have other projects coming up. And, and this one, the Unmuted Voices book anthology is coming out in January of 2023. And there's going to be so many beautiful stories in that book. Um, so, and the thing is, every story is so different 
that you're going to find a story you relate to, that you resonate with, and how they worked through that mess to become the message of their unmuted voice. So I thank you all. I love you all. Thank you, Bettina, for being my guest. I so appreciate you. Take care. Thank you. We'll see you next time, all.